Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson, Managing Editor of Reader Views. And I'm Victor Volkman from Lava Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 131 in our series. Tonight's topic will be Dispelling the Myths of Subsidy Presses with special guest Brent Sampson from Outskirts Press. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we are on the line with Brent Sampson, who is the president and CEO of outskirtspress.com and is also an Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year semifinalist. Through Outskirts Press, Brent has helped thousands of authors successfully publish thousands of books. He speaks nationwide on the topics of writing, publishing, and marketing. You can follow him on his blog, www.brentsampson.com. Well, good evening again. Hello, Victor. Hello, Irene. It's nice to be back. It's great to have you back, and this time we're talking about something totally different. So, and uh, as Victor had mentioned, today we're going to be talking about the dispelling the myths of subsidy, subsidy presses. But I think before we go any further, we really need to sort of clarify some definitions here. And what really is the difference between a subsidy press and a vanity press? Well, mostly it's a matter of semantics. Um, you know, the, the terms have both been around for quite a while. Vanity press is really more of a derogatory term um, for the same thing. So whenever somebody refers to a vanity press, they're probably talking about a subsidy press, um, but just in a derogatory manner. Um, and the implication is that anybody who's paying to get a book published is doing so um, out of vanity. So a subsidy press or even just more traditionally um, known self-publishers, um, anybody who falls within the category of paying to have a book published rather than being paid to um, sell their rights is, you know, for all intents and purposes, um, both a vanity press and a subsidy press. So the terms are typically synonymous. Um, one just is a little bit more, has a negative connotation to it. Yeah, and it seems to me that both are still used, too. So, uh, you know, it's not like one's being dropped off somewhere along the years. But now, uh, you had mentioned uh, self-publishing, and there's just a lot of um, controversy over that, too, the the those authors that call themselves self-publishers, true self-publishers, don't want to be categorized into the same category as self-publishing company or subsidy press. And so, but it seems like many people, many authors that use the subsidy press also call themselves a self-publisher. So maybe you can just kind of talk about that, the differences, or is there really a difference? Yeah, I think this is a matter of semantics also, and it's just because the industry in general is changing so fast. Um, there didn't used to be the technology in place uh, with print-on-demand to be able to do what companies like Outskirts Press do nowadays, which is help authors publish um, so efficiently. Um, before the advent of print-on-demand technology, self-publishing authors would have to uh, use an offset printer, make a pretty substantial upfront investment for a print run in the thousands of copies, and um, facilitate all of the 
logistics steps of getting a book out of their head and onto a physical piece of paper, whether it be you know getting the ISBN number from Bowker, taking care of the editing responsibilities, formatting the interior of the book, doing the cover design for the book. So individuals who take all of those steps um, completely independently of anybody else, they do it all on their own. You know, they really consider themselves true self-publishers, and they are. So the 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 difference really comes from companies who have now come into place, um, and they're service companies, really, uh, and they're calling themselves self-publishing firms, and they simply are providing a service for a fee um, um, for the author's convenience to help them with some of those uh, tactical steps of publishing a book. And I really kind of liken it to an H&R block or even to a lawyer or to a doctor. You know, these are service companies that are performing um, a professional expertise-involved service uh, for an individual who may not otherwise know how to get that product done as efficiently or as professionally as as they want that product to be done, whether it's being represented in a court of law or having a LASIK operation on your eyes or publishing a book. Um, and, and it really should be viewed with that type of importance. So company or individuals who self-publish their book through the services of a firm are simply paying a company with that expertise to raise the level and the quality of their book. You mentioned, uh, Brent, about POD, the print-on-demand, and I know that there's also some confusion that you know some authors are, consider themselves as POD authors, or some others, you know, kind of categorize anybody that uses a POG is also like a, a subsidy or a self-publisher or something, and it, there just seems to be a lot of confusion because I know that there are a lot of traditional publishers that are now using POD, but yet there seems to be this stigma that, oh, you know, he or she is a POD author. Yeah, you're right, and, and, and I think that probably is because a lot of people have really long memories. Um, when print-on-demand technology was, you know, in its infancy, infancy uh, people really likened it to an uh, author sitting at their own computer doing desktop publishing and printing their book out on a dot matrix printer, and it looked horrible, and it wouldn't be perfect bound. You know, it might be saddle stitched, which is simply the same as just stapling the pages together. And, and that's what really book sellers and retailers and industry professionals um, considered POD and self-publishing books, you know, in the uh, dark ages of this industry. You know, those days are over. So, so people now who term who use the term POD for print on demand, uh, I, I think they would be hard pressed to tell the difference between a book that's produced by print on demand and a book that's produced via, you know, typical offset printing. Uh, now let me take a step back and also address the fact that um, that is also um, associated with some derogatory statements. People who kind of sneer at the concept of print-on-demand books or print-on-demand authors are typically the same people who are using the term vanity press or vanity publishing instead of uh, subsidy publishing or self-publishing firms. Uh, print-on-demand book, print-on-demand author, you know, it's kind of said with a sneer, and what you said is exactly right. Uh, traditional publishers are starting to use the technology of print-on-demand to um, be more uh, economically minded, um, use less waste. There's just a 
huge amount of waste in the traditional publishing industry. Books are are printed, you know, in thousands upon thousands or hundreds of thousands of copies in some cases on, you know, kind of the estimates of a marketing department. And in a lot of cases, those books ultimately end up being destroyed or recycled. Well, print-on-demand technology removes all of all of that um, business practice. Um, and as a result of that, that's, that's a change in an industry that's been around for a long, long time since the Gutenberg press, and, and some people don't like change. So, you know, and, and with that comes a stigma. Great. Thanks for that, that clarification. Um, let's suppose I have it down to two or three different companies that I'm going to work with that will do everything for me. I've just got, you know, a Word file, and I want a book. What are the criteria, the, the top five criteria that I would use to choose which company I'm going to go for? Well, since we're talking about kind of the stigma that's that's existing and, and, and continuing to exist with the term self-publishing or print-on-demand or, or any of those terms that are being thrown around by the marketing departments of all of these companies, um, it really is important to first understand what that company is going to do for you. Um, there are do-it-yourself companies where you submit your file and, you know, a computer program might create or automatically generate a PDF file out of what you submit, and no human being ever touches your book. And there are a couple of companies that do this, and their costs are very low because computers are um, doing all of the work. It's the human being involvement which makes some of the companies have a higher price point. But it's also those same human beings that are making your book actually look good. I'm of uh, the strong belief that it's the do-it-yourself publishing companies out there that are continuing to keep the stigma of self-publishing alive because some of the books that come out of those outfits aren't of the highest quality. Uh, and, and if I can use the analogy of the LASIK eye surgeon again, um, you know, if you want LASIK eye surgery, you're not going to go do that operation yourself. And if you want to be... Um, represented by yourself and you're a lawyer, there's a phrase that says, you know, a a lawyer who has himself as a client or something like that, you know, has has an idiot for a client. Well, it's the same thing with publishing a book. You want a professional to take care of producing that book so that it's as high of a quality as it can be. So that would be the first thing, would be recognizing what that company is truly going to do for you. Is it going to be a full-service company where you have experts doing it for you, or are you going to be relied upon to um, test your own proficiency with InDesign or word formatting, and as a result, maybe what you're getting out the back end isn't going to be as high as you would like it. The next criteria I would say would be um, looking at how many uh, how much of the royalty you're going to keep. Now, royalty is often confused by semantics as well because some people say they pay 100% royalties. Other people are more specific about saying it's 100% of the net or 100% of the profit of the book or 50% or 80% or what have you. Really, it all comes down to how many dollars and cents you're going to get every time one of your books sell through a wholesale retail company like Amazon.com. That's the number you really care about. How much are you going to make every time your book sells from Amazon? And a lot of companies will differentiate between how much you make from an Amazon sale and how much you make from their own website. And, well, yeah, they don't have to pay Amazon as much, so they might be able to pay you more from sales from your website, from the publisher website. But then the authors have asked themselves what the likelihood really is that a customer is going to buy the book from some publishing website as opposed to find it on Amazon. 
Most POD books are sold from Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. That's really the royalty structure that you care the most about if you're an author looking at determining where you want to publish your book. And that's long answer to two of the criteria that you could look for. Are you interested in three more? Or should we move on? Oh, no, please carry on. This okay. is great. Um, other criteria that you would look for would be um, whether or not you keep your rights to the book. Now, I'm not familiar with very many self-publishing companies that take your rights. I think I can only think of one, um, and, and, and I've promised myself that I'm not going to say anything negative about other companies, but there is one particular um, self-publishing company that actually calls itself a traditional company, and only after the author has gone through the process do they realize that it was really just another print-on-demand self-publishing company. But by the time they realize that, they've signed a contract that signs away their rights of their book to that publishing company for seven years. And that publishing company also takes um, rights of first refusal, which means the author is really contractually obligated to submit their next book to that same publishing company too. That's a company that I would completely avoid. But for the rest of them, um, you know, Outskirts Press and the iUniverses and the Author Houses and the Ex Libruses and, and, and the Mill City Presses and all of these other companies, they definitely allow you to keep all your rights. And that's very important when you're looking at a, at a self-publishing firm. Great. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, generally in this marketplace, I think most of the marketing takes place afterwards. What about the add-on marketing packages? Are, should you go, you know, shop around for an independent publicist or should you choose services that are resold through the subsidy or where do you start? You know, that's... Um that's a business model that really shares a lot of similarities with the publishing model. I mean, an individual certainly can publish a book themselves. You know, all it takes is a lot of time, a lot of knowledge, and, and a lot of money. So if you want to take that learning curve and absorb uh, all of the details and the information that you need to know, um, it's, it's not an insurmountable task. There are authors who are self-publishing their books all the time. The majority of writers don't want to be publishers. They want to be published writers, and that's really the difference. There's a small group of people who want to do all of that work themselves, and they really kind of um, frown upon self-publishing companies who help authors do it um, as a service. The large majority of writers would rather pay an expert company or a self-publishing firm to perform all those tasks for them, um, and, and the same is true for the marketing side, once your book is published, regardless of whether you've self-published it independently or paid a self-publishing company to, to perform a lot of those tasks for you, you're left with a book in your hand, and, and then the, the same thing can be said. You can either learn how to market your book, learn how to get publicity for your book and promote your book and get press for your book. Those are not insurmountable tasks either. They just require the same things, a lot of time, a lot of knowledge, and a lot of money, or you can use the services that are being put together by that same publisher or by an alternate publisher who offers a la carte marketing services and, and rely upon their expertise and their, uh, I mean, they have economy of scale. They deal with so much volume and quantity that they're probably able to do the same thing that you could do for much less, even with their built-in profit margin. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Publishing is a business. It, it needs to be. So the publishing company is making money. So they're able to leverage all of their quantity of clients, customers, authors, whatever you want to call them, and provide a service for maybe the same amount that you're able to do it yourself, 
just simply because they're able to get, for lack of a better term, wholesale pricing for those same services and then through the retail price make a little bit of money for each of those services. That's really a win-win situation for most authors. I agree, um, Brent. And, you know, you mentioned something that was very important, that this is actually, you know, a business. Yes, the self-publishing companies, firms, as you call them, are a business. But, you know, publishing a book, once you publish that book, you're in business. I mean, the IRS considers you as a business person all of a sudden, so we have to go along with that. And also what I'm finding is a lot of times that, especially the true self-published authors, are not factoring in their own time and paying themselves for that time to do all the marketing or the publication, you know, the whole gamut that needs to go into publishing a book. So in a sense, they think that they can do it much cheaper, but on the other hand, if they factor in the time that they put in and pay themselves, you know, whatever per hour, they would probably find out that it's much cheaper to go with a subsidy press. Right. I, I couldn't agree more, Irene. It, and, it's, and it's really kind of the same model as an offset printer. You know, the, the very first copy that you print from an offset printing machine when you're caught printing one book, that first copy is what costs $2,500. Mm-hmm. The plates have to be made and the press run has to be created and, and the proofs have to be viewed and, and, and all of these mechanical logistic steps have to be taken to produce that one copy. That one copy is very expensive. Once you've completed that one copy, you know, the other 2,000 copies that you're printing are basically free, you know, and that's the same concept with anything that, that has a learning curve absorbed to it. So if, if you're planning on just publishing one or two books, it's probably not economically um, responsible for you to absorb that learning curve yourself unless you want to do it out of interest or out of a hobby or out of something else, but it's not it's it's not a sound business financial decision to learn how to do all of those things just for one book. If you're planning on publishing five or ten or fifteen books, uh, well then you're becoming a publisher. You're 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 absorbing all of that information and all of that knowledge to to do it yourself as a business decision because you recognize that the first one is going to be very expensive. You're learning everything as you go. But by the time you're publishing your 10th book, yeah, you'll easily be able to do it. And and then you would look at a self-publishing firm and you wouldn't see any value to that because you know how to do all of those steps yourself cheaper. It's it's a question of how many books you're planning on publishing and whether you want to be a publisher or whether you want to be a published author. And for those who just want to be published authors, I, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. It's 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 a very daunting task. I can speak from personal experience when I started this company for the purposes of publishing my own books, um, it, 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 you know, it was good that I was young and, and a little go-getter back then. Because if I were looking at or even considering doing it now, it would it would be just insurmountable. I think it, it was really taxing. So, oh, well, I can well imagine. See, I'm just going to do a little uh, backtrack here on something you had said, and you had mentioned uh, do-it-yourself publishing companies. And you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to rant because I just. I get really upset and discouraged and sometimes, you know, we get some really bad stuff in for a review and a lot of times these are DIY, you know, they do it yourselves and they went to a company and paid $300 or whatever and and uploaded everything and uh, the covers are bad, the 
the formatting is off. Sometimes we find that, you know, pages are missing or the numbering isn't right or there's just so many things. And it seems that more as more and more of these that do it yourself companies are coming up, we're getting more and more books that are in that condition. But we're also finding that from some subsidy presses too, that obviously I guess it depends on the type of a package that uh, the author purchases, whether there's editing involved or whether there's really, you know, how much human contact is in there. And I would like to speak to that. Yeah, I, you know, and, and I mentioned this a little while ago when we were talking, maybe 10 or 15 minutes ago, and, and, and I truly believe this, that, you know, a lot of those do-it-yourself places, which, you know, empower the author, for lack of a better word, to upload their own manuscript, whether it be a PDF file that they formatted or a word processor file that they formatted, and then it just spits out, you know, a book on the back end, um, that's the experience. Those are the events that really are continuing to make um, self-publishing mm-hmm. viewed as with such a stigma because those books are not very high quality. Um, and it's, it's maybe the 80-20 rule. You know, I think probably 80% of the authors out there just simply lack some of the technical proficiency to format a high-quality, professional-looking book, which people in the industry would view and immediately be able to identify as a self-published book or not, just simply by looking at either the cover or the interior. Um, and then there are some companies, and Outskirts Press is one of them, where we really try to make our books rise to the level of industry standards. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes that's, a, that's a, a, a confrontation that we face with authors who are coming to us. They're paying for our expertise. Um, you know, we're not, we're not the cheapest self-publishing on the, on the block. I just like to say that we're the best. But, you know, so they're coming to us. They're paying for our expertise and our professionalism, but then they're submitting their own print-ready file. And it's, it's actually more of a challenge for us to deal with an author who has submitted their own print-ready file than it is for us to reformat that book from scratch and InDesign the way it should be. And, and authors submit their own files for a variety of reasons. They want to have 100% control over what it looks like. They think they know what it, looks, what it wants to look like. But in a lot of cases, when books come out of a full-service company, you know, whether it be us or some of the other full-service companies who include formatting, and if they look that bad, you know, I would wager that 90% of those occurrences are because the author has insisted upon submitting their own formatted document for whatever reason. They haven't wanted to take advantage of the formatting that is made available to them with their package. And, and why those authors choose that um, is, is actually still a mystery to me. I, I really don't understand it. Well, I would like somebody to tell me, too, because I don't understand it, too. I mean, just going into a bookstore and looking at books first to see how they're formatted, what they look like, how the covers, how the front cover looks like, what the cover, back cover looks like. I mean, that could give an indication of what, you know, what a book is supposed to look like or even, I mean, um, just reading. You know, when you pick up a book, and I'm hoping that a lot of the authors do read, although I'm not sure if they do or not. So the other thing, too, that, uh, you know, lack of editing is another big rant that I have. We just seem to be getting more and more books that are just editing issues. They're just not edited. And I don't know if you run into this or how you handle unedited books. This is at least something that I can understand a little bit more. I mean, with the formatting, you know, we have professional formatting included with our packages, so why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Editing is expensive, so I, I, 
I can see this really easily from the author's point of view, particularly authors who are using some of those do-it-yourself places where, you know, they're able to get published for quote-unquote free. You know, with, when they're faced with the opportunity to publish a book for free, it, it probably is inconceivable to them that they would want to pay $1,000 simply to have the book edited. That, that takes away the free part, right? Um, when you're dealing, and, and again, that continues why I believe that those do-it-yourself places are continuing to, you know, perpetrate that, that stigma of self-publishing. It, it's kind of a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy with them. It's, it's free begets free, you know. They, they don't want to make any kind of investment in their book. Um, our clientele is, is at least a little bit willing to make some investment um, in the book that they've poured their heart and their soul and in, in, in months or years of their life into, they want to produce something that's of high quality. And, and in those cases, I wouldn't say the majority of, of them are willing to pay for editing, but that number is certainly growing. And we work very hard to demonstrate to them um, the importance of editing. In a lot of cases, we'll provide to them a spec edit. And our spec edit is a free 1,000-word edit that they can look at without any obligation. They get to see what the first 1,000 words of their document looks like if it goes through our editor, and then it gets back and they see it redlined. You know, in, in, in our case, the redline is track changes, which is a functionality in Word which allows our editor to make comments, and then the author can see what the editor would recommend changing. And in a lot of cases, that spec edit very visibly demonstrates the importance of editing to the author. And it's been very successful. It, 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 it communicates the importance. If authors are going to pour their heart and soul into a book and then make an investment of $300, $600, $900, you know, $1,100 to publish that book, let's make sure it's as, as perfect as possible. And that really includes editing. It's, you know, again, I'm with you 100%. Editing is so important. It's hard to communicate to some authors um, that it's worth the financial investment because, you know, editors are experts. And as a result of that, you're having to pay for that expertise. Some authors view it as an unnecessary expense when they really shouldn't. It's very necessary. Yeah, unfortunately, word spell check just doesn't do it. What are the qualifications or what do you think qualifications should be of an editor? You mean like their educational qualifications? Um, Educational or the expertise or, you know, I mean, you you talked about expert uh, editors. And so what qualifies a person to be an expert editor? Um, You you know, maybe I I might prefer answering that by saying what doesn't qualify an editor, someone to edit the book. Um, Authors definitely shouldn't edit their own book. Uh, They're too close to it. Um, they they know what word what the sentence or what the paragraph is supposed to say. They've um, read it through so many times that even if it blatantly doesn't say that, it's amazing. Actually, it's just it's 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 incredible, and you've probably experienced this yourself as a, as a writer. You'll read a sentence, and since you know so intimately what it's supposed to say, you don't actually read what it does say, and then you might miss a very simple word like an or the. Or, or a word just could be completely misspelled or omitted entirely. So authors never should edit their own work. They're too close to the project. Uh, we get a lot of authors who submit their material and they say, you know, their professor edited it or, you know, their uh, their spouse edited it. And, and, and these are also examples of, of maybe not the best choices for an editor simply because, you know, in the case of the spouse, the spouse may lack um, some of the motivation to be as harsh or as truthful or as upfront about some of the errors um, just out of love of the author. So that's not a good choice just 
for emotional reasons. And professors, you know, even if you're talking, dealing with like maybe a collegiate professor or somebody who's a professor in English, in English or what have you, and we get a lot of examples of those, you know, that they're still not editing documents all of the time. Their job is to teach. It's not to edit. So, so maybe now I can directly answer your question now that I've said all that, and that is what really qualifies an editor to um, edit books is the fact that that's what they do all of the time. It's one of those um, you get what you pay for and practice makes perfect type of things. And in this case, editors who edit all of the time know what to look for. They know the tricks that, you know, the, they know the, the potholes in writing that a lot of authors make. They know how to find those and how to correct those. Um, all of those mistakes that might not be so readily visible to anybody else really jump off the page to professional editors because that's what they do. Mm. And I think that's really important. I think that's a really good point, too. And uh, I just stress, too, uh, that editing is so, so important. And, you know, we, you're right. We cannot edit our own work. And I'm one that can just really vouch for that. So, uh, Brent, on the average, what would it cost an author to, let's say, publish a 250-page book through a subsidy press? I know that there's, like, all these different packages, but maybe we can just throw it out an average figure. This might be one more time to talk about semantics just a little bit. Okay. Um, I typically don't uh, use subsidy press synonymously with a self-publishing firm or self-publishing company, mm-hmm. and that's because um, before the advent of quote-unquote self-publishing companies, which happened almost simultaneously with the advent of print-on-demand technology, there were still subsidy presses out there, and subsidy presses would um, – utilize traditional print runs. Um, In most cases, they would actually take the rights to the book. Uh, The author would definitely subsidize uh, the publishing of the book, uh, hence the term. But in most cases, you know, the publisher might make some sort of economic um, contribution to the publishing of the book. And as a result of that, the royalty would be uh, split a little bit more evenly. Uh, Fast forward to the advent of of print-on-demand technology and the advent of of self-publishing companies or self-publishing firms. And these are firms um, that don't share the economic uh, upfront hurdle at all. The author is really making 100% of that investment. But in exchange, the author is making a much larger portion of the royalty on the back end than they would through a traditional, quote-unquote, traditional subsidy press. And they're using that print-on-demand technology instead. Uh, I think another one big difference is more traditional subsidy presses, um, the ones that I've seen in some cases at least, um, they will hold on to some of the rights to that book, whereas most self-publishing companies or self-publishing firms leave all of the rights um, where I feel they belong, which is um, with the author all the time. Um, So I consider Outskirts Press and most of our direct competitors to not be subsidy presses, but instead to be um, self-publishing companies. They're they're offering a service, and, and the author is paying for that service, you know, either out of time constraints or convenience or, or lack of knowledge or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same reason you buy a house rather than building a house from scratch. You want to live in something that's not going to fall apart. Um, I'm sorry, what was, your, no, sorry, what was your actual question? I forgot. The average cost for oh. to have a book published. Um, you know, that's really going to depend upon the publisher yeah. that you use. We've talked to, to some length about the do-it-yourself places that are mm-hmm. perpetrating the stigma of self-publishing. And in a lot of cases, those uh, that publishing cost is free, although you're paying for it um, in embarrassment later, I guess, is probably mm-hmm. the, the, the kindest way to say it. 
for other companies that um, actually charge you up front for a service fee for published for helping you publish your book, it's going to depend upon the company you choose. And most of them really uh, tier their services into packages or bundles. And those packages or bundles will range in price anywhere from typically about uh, $300 up through typically about $3,000, depending upon the company that you use. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in our case at Outskirts Press, we have a package that's $199, but that particular package is really more for printing and not publishing. It doesn't include an ISBN. It doesn't include distribution. It's really for somebody who's only wanting to print one or two books um, for themselves, whether it be you know their um, dissertation or, or, or what have you, or, or maybe just a, a family memoir. And then we have packages that include an ISBN number and, you know, full distribution on demand through Ingram and Baker and & Taylor and what have you. And those costs start at $399 and then top out at $1,099. Mm-hmm. And then if you were to look at other publishers in some cases, and it depends upon the publisher you look, their least expensive package starts at $199 and might continue up to $3,000 mm-hmm. or so. So it's it's a pretty r- wide range. It is. Um, some are offer more value than others, it's really a good idea for the author to, you know, do their homework, look at all the website information that they can find, and read the author testimonials of the site that they're looking at, and and really just kind of make a choice, you know. And and one of the nice things to say about it is, it's not the end of the world if you publish your first book at a place that you don't like, because all of these contracts with almost all of these companies are non-exclusive, and you can simply publish your next book you know, somewhere else and, and see if you like them better. That's some really good advice. Brent, thank you very much for showing up and talking to us. This has been a boatload full of information that I know that, you know, is going to um, have some authors really thinking about this, especially maybe those that were thinking about do, doing self-publishing all on their own and really to check out that maybe they do need to have somebody else do it for them. So, And I like your analogy is like, you know, you're going to buy a house rather than build your own. It's like whatever expertise you have or knowledge or time and money. And um, So I really do appreciate you um, setting us straight on that. And uh, just tell us your uh, website address again. Uh, yeah, our, our website uh, for Outskirts Press is at outskirtspress.com. And we offer a whole variety of services that range from writing services like ghostwriting and mm-hmm. article writing and editing and, and illustration packages and then publishing packages, of course, which we've talked about, and then a whole host of marketing services, both for our published authors and on an a la carte basis for authors who may have published somewhere else, may, perhaps with a publisher that doesn't offer a broad scope mm-hmm. of marketing services. We offer our marketing services on an a la carte basis, regardless of where you've published and Kindle editions and what have you. So it's broken down by writing, publishing, and marketing services on our website. Great. And then you have your own blog. Yeah, my blog is at brentsampson.com. If, if anybody's really bored, they can read what I have to say about the industry and about you know okay. entrepreneurship in general. Okay. So, <laughs> Thank you very much. You bet. I enjoyed being here. Thank you for the invite. Indeed a pleasure. And this has been another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, The Secret Pillars of Writing and Selling, with special guest Jeffrey Friedberg. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. 
Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, saying good night. And for Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Wolfman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening. Mm-hmm.